a bad DM will not listen to the cues that players are giving them mm -hmm. as to what they like about their campaign mm -hmm. because um as as a dm at my session zero the first thing i or one of the first things i ask is you know what kind of game do you want to play over the course of playing we'll get an even greater sense as the party dynamics start to mm -hmm. cement themselves Welcome to Rollmates, the D&D podcast where I teach my wife and you about Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Greg. And I'm Allie. And welcome to session four? Four. Session four of our podcast. This is... Um, the... Hi, Frida. <laughs> this is the session where Frida makes an introduction. Yeah. Our cat's being a little needy today, so you might hear her little, her little cries, but she's okay promise she's just i think she doesn't like that we're in a different room than usual yeah um but she needs to get used to it yeah get used to it <laughs> so what do we do on this podcast other than talk to our cat uh other than talk to our cat we answer well my questions about dnd so my question that i have for you today um what makes a good DM or dungeon master versus a bad DM. Because I know that from personal experience as well as hearing from other people, um, a bad DM can really make or break a session, make and break your experience as a player. Like I've heard of people who like played once and they had a bad DM and then they just never played Dungeons and Dragons again because they thought that was how all sessions go. Um, so you being a very experienced DM and, um, I've always heard positive feedback from people who've played with you. What do you think, um, somebody who is maybe new to DMing should keep in mind as far as like the things that they should do and maybe the things that they should try not to do? So, um, the DM's main roles when it comes to... D&D is as arbiter of the rules and they even bigger than that they craft the world around the players and they um, they give that world to the players to inhabit and that includes the non-player characters the events and forces that drive the world and that um you know, serve as the catalyst of the story. Mm -hmm. And um, it's their job to work along with the characters to create um, the story that the adventurers find themselves in. Mm -hmm. um, I think you can boil down a dungeon master, like what can what makes for a good dungeon master versus a bad one is clarity mm -hmm. because I think um, for several on several fronts, the dungeon master needs to be clear about describing the world. Mm -hmm. um, like the physicality. Yeah. The physicality of it, the um, give, ground the characters in the situation that they're in 
um, give them the little details to help them make the best decisions that they can or, or the worst decisions <laughs> that they can. But um, also to make clear what the NPCs want or don't want, what their motivations are, make clear what the story is and what um, the players need to accomplish mm -hmm. or at least what the players think they want to accomplish because sometimes the players will just forget things in the story yeah. which which is is normal i i feel like um you know people just tune in and out every now and then when they're playing a game yeah um but it's there to make things clear and then and that's doubly more important on the, on the rules mm -hmm. because um whether or not a play group decides to use this rule or that rule, um, it's important to keep it consistent so that when the players make inf when they make informed choices, they're doing it based on a system that they've all agreed upon. Yeah. So, like, um, like we listened to a podcast a while back where they were talking about like taking the rules very like as they are, word for word, out of the book or can you play a little and, and stretch the rules and be a little bit more like use the rules as a guideline sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, at the very least, a good DM should set up like we're playing by the book or we're going to we can have conversations about what the rules are, but at least making sure everyone's on the same page. Right. Yeah, because um, the way that rules are described in the book. The book may say that, oh, this rule is meant to illustrate this mm -hmm. particular scenario or particular situation. But it, it gets when you start to see the different spectrum of situations you find yourselves in, that one rule might not cover all of them. So as a DM, it, it is up to you to sort of discern if that rule is applicable to any given situation mm -hmm. um, and it's up to you to have that discussion with your players both before before the gameplay begins mm -hmm. um, it's important like as you're doing because the dungeon master does a ton of homework before mm -hmm. you know <laughs> a given uh, session and maybe as a dungeon master you've come across a rule that you um you're too un you're not certain about uh or you're uncertain as to whether or not it will be good in your game or or that you will arbitrate it as well or um or you just don't you just don't like it and mm -hmm. you just want to do away with it so that's a conversation to have with your players beforehand as session zero as session zero or even even you know midway through the campaign if this rule has never come up before but let's say for example your party hasn't come up with um your party hasn't had like a chase scene mm -hmm. where they had to chase you know uh, a villain or or something through a crowd and the dungeon master's guide has rules for that but for chasing yeah like um it's such a specific thing to have rules about yeah, but it's it's like if you think of chasing, like they kind of they kind of frame it as chasing as a type of combat encounter in a way. <laughs> Whereas if you're going through the the rules of combat, where every person's turn 
occupies the same space six second space Mm -hmm. in that round they just have different initiatives like they work quick to the move Mm -hmm. before you know then a chase should kind of follow that framework kind of thing but let's say for you as it because it's it's one thing for combat to take place in six second rounds and that drags on but for a chasing that's supposed to be like gripping high intensity (laughs) things are like it's very dynamic um i definitely i use the rules in the dungeon master's guide for chasings but then then i started stretching them and um with like a little improvisation on my part i started um transitioning it to a more of a theater of the mind kind of thing Mm -hmm. when it comes to chasing and um and I had to like get a narrative feel of my players and and instead of having them go on preset turns for their initiatives, I had to call out, oh, what are you what uh, a wagon comes across your pass, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for you, you you reach out to to grab the person, um, but you barely miss uh their coattails. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what's the next thing? So um it is. It, it's up to the dungeon master to discuss rules beforehand. Mm-hmm. It's up to the dungeon masters to arbitrate the rules in game. Mm-hmm. What you arbitrating without getting into fights? Yeah, arbitrating without people. getting into fights, which usually is the player's fault. If it, so, if if something is s if if something in the game is or if a rule arbitration has escalated, mm-hmm. it is often the player's problem because basically what happens in the game, player does this, dungeon master will say, oh, this rule doesn't, or, or um, you, you can't take that action for whatever reason. Like you either took an action or... Like, it doesn't work this way mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then player will say, oh, oh no, but, you know. And I understand there are some players who know more than their dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I understand that the players, like, you have the player's handbook, you have the dungeon master guide available, and you could, like, look up the rules. Mm-hmm. But that's in game is not really a good time to to do that cuz you completely break the narrative flow mm, slows everything down slows everything down pulls everyone out of it and not only that but you are challenging the dungeon master's um authority authority oh. yeah because but and and that's important because the dungeon master it they don't just have their fun that they're looking out for they have like three or four or five or however many other people's fun Mm -hmm. that they have to um encourage yeah so so that's that's one of the top things that comes to mind for me as far as a good dm is like they are focused on making sure that everyone is having fun and having a good time and like feeling included and encouraged and like i feel like a game should be challenging right like yeah but to me a bad dm is someone who yeah like they're just looking out for their fun 
and are not yeah. really like we had an experience uh one of the few games i've ever played with somebody who i didn't really think was that good of a dm and it was partially our fault because we didn't have a session zero with them we didn't really talk to them beforehand we were just invited to come play and by sent by another player and so we came to play um but i just got like vibes that he was very into what he was doing and like into his narrative and his characters and like i was super new like it was the first game i had really played with anyone and um I don't know. I felt like kind of lost and discouraged. And I didn't really, yeah. I didn't really feel like he saw me as like, oh, this is a new player. There's like an opportunity to really engage this person and make this super memorable and fun. He was just like, no, we're running this kind of, you know, hard. It was a mystery too that we were. So it was this really confusing, like mysterious storyline that he had set up, which was cool. It's fine, but like I just remember being so lost and so confused the entire time. And I was like, I just, I thought we were just going to come around and giggle and throw spells at each other. And like, I don't know, I thought it would be more chill than this. Yeah. Well, and I mean, from, from his perspective, like I, I've, like I've definitely gotten wrapped up in my own genius invention of a (laughs) campaign. (laughs) Like, um, for example, uh, the homebrew that I've, I've ran a lot you know it it takes place in a human human kingdom and there's like human politics and it, there's like a lot of human npcs game of thrones is it game of thrones basically no 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 it like the the home city is a metropolitan place like there are gnomes and dwarves and mm-hmm. and like half elves and stuff like that but it's in like human territory and and Mm. it's governed by humans and stuff and and like there it's a human kingdom so there's a monarchy and stuff like that and Mm. it's like nobody picked a damn human like there (laughs) there's no there's no investment as like someone who grew up on these streets well then wouldn't it be then be your job as a good dm to explain like hey this campaign was kind of structured around human experiences and human yeah stuff so can somebody please kind of put their character aside that they wanted to do and like build a human character instead yeah like i I mean i wouldn't um i wouldn't go so far to tell them to build make a human character but i would say make have your characters be because i i give them this whole world Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and i say have your characters at least be have been living in this place like set up roots in this place mm-hmm. for i don't know x many years or grown up in this place like mm-hmm. if you're a half elf character be born here yeah. you know um or if if you are um an heir genasi or a dwarf move here and live here for a while like set so just so that you're not from this far off place Mm -hmm. you know with far off problems all the way over here completely disconnected from the story yeah you know um so uh, so a good dm will kind of from the point of creating characters help the player like set expectations yeah looking at like 
okay, what is the world that we're playing in and what, how can I set you up with your characters for the best amount of success? Yeah, exactly. And, and for the, to success being like enjoying the game, not like, uh, an enjoyable story and, um, and making sure you are included because it's very easy to, you know, include a story that takes place, you know, that takes place in the kingdom of Norden. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to include people who are born there or who have lived there for a long time or who had family there, Mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. But if you're born on the other half of the continent or from a far off kingdom, unless you have some initial investment, your character would probably be better for a different campaign. Mm -hmm. And that's something the DM needs to make clear to the players. Like, yeah, I get it. You had this idea for this, you know, like there's a, there's a give and take, Mm -hmm. you know, like there were certain, there are certain races that I don't allow depending on the campaign. Yeah, I know races. Um, but but just because, you know, it's like, oh, in this setting, this race is considered evil. You are going to have a difficult time yeah. as a player being and there are some players who are up to that challenge. Mm-hmm. But if you are not that person with tough skin, you're going to think that I have it out for you yeah. when I'm. I'm doing the role play mm-hmm. and and I'm priming you ahead of time that this is what's in store if you pl- and play this from character. a character's or from a player's perspective that just sounds like why would you waste time on conflicts like that like why wouldn't you want to just get right into the story and like do the narrative as it's set up and like because then it sounds like okay well, you're going to have all these altercations or potential like combat situations over the fact that you're this race like mm. wh- that doesn't sound fun to me that sounds like racism <laughs> well no and but it, but it, to some to some players it'll be like oh well when i whenever i'm in town i'm gonna have to keep my hood up i'm gonna have to be a little bit more reserved mm-hmm. um i'm gonna try to do as much as i can not to attract attention to myself mm-hmm. and that can create adventures for the whole party just centered around that like if this person gets arrested mm-hmm. just because they're not you know this this race is but not I, adhering I to the like curfew if the narrative calls for that like if say say you're you're doing a campaign where yeah like in this town or kingdom this race is being persecuted mm-hmm. and um you have one of that member of the race and like maybe his thing is like he wants to find his family who had been put into jail or something to me yeah that's cool that now he has to be in hiding while they go on this kind of mission and so the i keep saying racism just because the word race it doesn't really apply but like the the um the judgment and you know all of that stuff bigotry yeah the bigotry (laughs) it's a part of the narrative in and of itself and so it it Kind right. of, it moves the story forward. I think that's what I'm looking for, right? Like, it will move the story. Yeah, it forward. doesn't impede the party. Exactly. You know, like I feel like yeah. there could be campaigns where it would just impede the party, and it's like yeah. we're on our way to the castle, the f- free Princess Peach, whatever. And oh, J.K., our friend is in prison, and now we have to go through this whole prison thing to try to get him out. And it's like, why wouldn't you just do the the story that the DM spent 
hours upon hours construct like yeah. that from personally from a player perspective that's i would just want to do this go through the story that the like to me that's like if you're watching a movie and you're like oh, there's a fact in the movie you're like oh i didn't know that and you pause the movie and then go to the library to do research about like you yeah. know what i mean like it's it's related and it could be helpful but it's it seems like a huge mystery or or it's like if um i if if i set my campaign in a desert mm-hmm. and you play uh, you you said hey uh, greg i want to be a triton mm-hmm. which triton come from underwater (laughs) i'm gonna say listen i know the books don't give you penalties for being out of water for a long time but you're gonna have some serious penalties in the desert and that's not something i'm gonna budge on Mm -hmm. you know and it and it's and I mean, there are some there are some playgroups, and I've been a part of those playgroups where it's like, just do what you want. Like, you know, we're here to have fun, just have a blast, and do crazy stuff. And I get that, and I'm and I'm fine with that. When shout I shout out to Carlos Danger, <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> our friend's character that that character always makes me think like that's kind of my ideal D and D like <laughs> playing. It's like we're not gonna take it too seriously. Like like people can make funny and silly things but see as long as they yeah. as long as they take it seriously to a degree but know? but see when he had his big moment mm-hmm. like he said i wish i rethought my character mm. beforehand yeah. because because he didn't experience D to that point before it was just game but then it was like narrative and what was mm-hmm. what was the character's race and class it oh, it was a Goliath um, blood hunter, which is one of <laughs> Critical Role's like um, classes. It but hilarious. but this was in Curse of Strahd, and it was just um, it's out of place. Like, yeah. Or or like in Curse of speaking of Curse of Strahd, I like human player characters in Curse. Of, there's a reason why the bulk of the NPCs are human in Curse of Strahd because mm-hmm. I feel like. The horror genre, it kind of falls apart when it's like elves and dwarves as like the victims because I feel like... Because it's it's the contrast of having a normal human with their normal human powers against a a magical unearthly being. So if you have a magical unearthly being against... Another magical unearthly being. Yeah, I, I feel like Boromir in Curse of Strahd is very different from like Legolas in Curse of Strahd, True. you know. Um, good point. But yeah, so... Um, so good DM. A good DM will set those expectations. Set those expectations, but with the mind of setting up the players for success. Mm-hmm. So there is a give and take. Mm-hmm. Like as another uh, example, my very first DM... Um, experience was with Game of Thrones. It was a Game of Thrones uh, 20-sided dice RPG. Um, It was its own game. It wasn't like a Dungeons and Dragons and we just turned it into Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. But the mechanics were very similar. And um, I said, oh, we're going to do this period in in history, the Dance of the Dragons, where the Targaryens had a civil war. Mm-hmm. 
who do you want to be? And like, I've had players, like I had two people be from the North. I had one person be from Dorne, one person be from Bravos, one person be a Targaryen, one person be from the Reach. Like they were from all over the place, which mm-hmm. is difficult because now mm. all these people need to come together from these diverse backgrounds with diverse motivations, need to come together to make this work. So that was hard on me. I made <laughs> I made it difficult for myself. But another another reason it became difficult was one of my players wanted to be a faceless man. Hmm. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Game of Thrones, the faceless men are uh, people who they're assassins that can, can change. Yeah, they change their face. Like the people they've killed are kind of added to their face collection yeah their their repertoire of um spoilers for game of thrones incognito or (laughs) incognito uh, their disguises Mm -hmm. and i told them it's not gonna be fun for you Mm -hmm. because as a faceless man um you don't you don't tell anybody that you're a faceless man you don't tell like you're nobody you're like they're trained to be nobody Mm mm-hmm and you need to yeah, adopt. Yeah, you're like a blank slate until yeah. you put a face on. You need, to, uh, you need to adopt all these different personas that you may or may not use. And in the context of the party, you might have to be this just one persona for a while before switching. Like, yeah. it's just not going to work. It's really and, complicated. And I gave in to them and we started playing and he's like, damn you're right i was just a banker for like this <laughs> <laughs> for like the whole beginning of the game this sucked That's awesome. and and so it's it's also just trying to clue your players in like you might you might have a good idea on paper but in, in practice in practice it's just not gonna work yeah um so a good dm tries to help their players succeed and that's Mm -hmm. not just in their character creation but also depending on the characters uh the kinds of classes or races or backgrounds that they pick presenting them with situations where they would excel in Mm -hmm. or situations that they would struggle in Mm -hmm. so everyone should have their high and low points you know the the wizard should have that instance in the battlefield where they're able to cast a fireball and just annihilate a group of undead. But they should also have those uh, successes in the in the in the sense that they can acquire a a very um, rare book from this uh, arcane library that um, the librarian will only you know give to wizards that are studious and of well repute Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't just give to a barbarian Mm -hmm. you know who would use it as toilet paper (laughs) kind of thing so like that's a situation in combat and out of combat where they can succeed Mm -hmm. but then there should be a struggle too like what if their spell book gets taken Mm -hmm. and they cannot change their spells day by day or if the undead um the undead army sneak up on them and they're suddenly swarmed by like four um, zombies Mm -hmm. and they don't have the barbarian or the fighter or whoever to, you know, serve as that shield in front of them. So they should, or if they're in an anti-magic field and Mm -hmm. now they got to pick up a sword, you know? Um, So there should be 
situations that the DM throws at their players that would help them succeed and others where they struggle. You talked at the beginning where you mentioned like how DMs often have a, have a lot of homework to do. Mm-hmm. And I've seen you like pour over books and notebooks and like make maps and, you know, write out scripts and stuff like that. How much preparation is enough? And I know that that's a subjective question mm. and maybe impossible to answer because every campaign is different. Some campaigns are longer, more detailed. Some are out of the book. Some are homebrews. But if you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna DM a game for the first time, how much, how much preparation is enough? So um, I think there's two things to be mindful of is how much how much do you need for this session mm-hmm. that you're going to do a session being like 3 hours depending how long your group sell like some groups are they do 2 hour sessions some do like 4 or mm-hmm. more hours so um you know knowing the length of of time of your sessions will determine how much you know work you're putting in but um, you need to determine, you know, how much time or not how much time, but how much content do I need for this session mm-hmm. and probably half of the next session? Because mm-hmm. sometimes your group might just move th- through things quicker than you expect. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just get stuck like mm-hmm. on one problem <laughs> that you think is just the easiest thing to figure out, but your group is just scratching their heads over this over this clue. Mm-hmm. Um, so your preparation might vary depending how quickly or how slowly. The, and, you know, a group might blaze through two uh, sessions quicker than you expected and just get stumped on yeah. the next one. But I would prepare for the session that you're going to run now and halfway into the next session. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's if you, you know, if you plan on having a battle map, definitely plan that battle map, but also plan, uh, also have in your back pocket, like um, online, you could find just random battle maps of kind of generic places mm-hmm. that like dungeons if, and stuff yeah dungeons fields forests um you know bridges like just very generic places that you know if you must if if you know one player in your party just slugs someone <laughs> they don't like and starts combat then you would have that ready or you could just do a theater of the mind thing and just say oh you go first what do you do mm-hmm. you boom 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 and so that's where improvisation has to because you cannot plan for everything yeah. your party will do something very unexpected um what else do you need to have planned like scripts for npcs yeah what your what you know your npcs need to say mm-hmm to forward the story um you should know you should have things you know like in case players ask this like the most likely questions your players might ask the npc which it will be like just come up with two or three answers you don't have to 
think of an exhaustive list of every possible character or question that your NPCs will get um, because there will be questions you don't expect. Yeah. Um, you just, you would need to know more about your NPCs personality and motivation and maybe a little bit of, you know, what their job is or something so mm -hmm. that you can improv answers on the fly. Right. I also like to have, um, little snippets of lore on the locations um on the locations where my party uh is adventuring because mm -hmm. you know uh one player like you know if i'm describing and i see oh you see these uh runes that spiral around this column mm -hmm. or something and uh, there's a dwarf in the party and the dwarf can, um, they have stone cunning, so they know architecture really well. Mm -hmm. And the dwarf say, oh, well, you know, what do I know about how the stonework in this column is, mm -hmm. is cut and stuff? And so I would have to think um, and see, that's where planning gets catered a little bit toward my parties individually mm -hmm. because it's about um, pulling out their strengths. Like mm -hmm. I... I I always tell my players, because um, here's the thing: players, when they when they come, especially new players, they're like, "Oh, well, I'm a I'm a half elf who knows common, elven, and draconic, because I just know dragon words <laughs> and stuff." And it's like, and then you see your whole party, everyone knows Draconic. And uh, and a lot of times I'll say, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell my players, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you not to pick Draconic. Mm -hmm. But ask yourselves, is your is your character like, did they really go out of their way to learn Draconic? Mm -hmm. And is Draconic common enough? that all of you would just know it. Yeah. You know, like think about think about the story again. We're in this place where we're in this land. There's a gnome enclave nearby that the people regularly trade with. So gnomish gets around mm -hmm. a lot. Uh they regularly trade with elves. So and elven is just common in general. Um so maybe you should lean a little bit more towards some of those common languages so mm -hmm. it's not a, a big deal yeah it's the you same know? thing we're talking about like setting setting those expectations for the yeah like success of the but, narrative but so like i so like when i do plan i keep those things in mind oh there's a dwarf in the party they know stone cunning so i might want to focus on the architecture and my locations a little bit so they can shine in that sense mm -hmm. there's a character who knows celestial Oh well, here's a here they might encounter a scroll with like you know the words of a of a long um, a long forgotten god or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's having like those those little uh, details also with lore because sometimes the characters might say, "Oh, do I know anything about this place?" Mm -hmm. or "Do I know anything about this animal?" Or do I know anything about this religion? Mm -hmm. Having like little snippets of lore in case they ask for those knowledge checks mm -hmm. is very helpful. Usually if if you are homebrewing and you know creating your own campaign, mm -hmm. 
these will come more naturally to you because you are yeah, you made it all up yeah you're more aware of the lore exactly but if you're running a pre-made like um curse of strahd or last minds of fendelver or horde of the dragon queen um you you could do some homework because there would be information online also there are dms online who have broken down their own analysis of the pre-mades and and you know what worked what doesn't work how you can tweak this a little bit to make more narrative sense and stuff like that um but this was such a long answer for a simple <laughs> question but basically this session halfway into next session and then tidbits of lore like um little were um little like blurbs if a party asks a question about mm -hmm. you know x y and z but if you if you plan way too much if you if you plan too far ahead like um you might run the risk of your party never reaching those um those levels of the story that you plan right because I, I feel like if you also like if you plan too much in terms of like if you get into those like super crazy details of every single environment and npc and stuff like that i feel like it's so common for players to kind of go off in the wrong direction or the direction that you didn't intend and like there might be pieces that they never get to because mm -hmm. they just took kind of a roundabout way to get where they ended up or you know they just figured something out that they didn't need the NPC for or something like that. And so it would really suck if you poured your heart and soul into planning down to the second and then they just don't. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, the, the, that map that you spent hours meticulously making and then the players are like, oh, no, we're not going to go into the mountain pass. We're just we're going to go, you know, over to the cemetery yeah. and stuff. And you yeah. just yeah, you just wasted all that time. Sounds or, like there's a there's a fine balance there. To yeah. Like how because then also like I feel like you've told me about times where you've had to like nudge the players toward like you, they need to go down the mountain pass to get to wherever. And so you have to kind of nudge them toward the pass instead of the cemetery yeah like if um but you can't do that all the time no you you can't um like i've 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 had to nudge a little bit um and there's there's a there's a fine line between nudging and railroading <laughs> railroading the party means that the dm is in the driver's seat and the dm just takes them through the whole campaign and the mm -hmm. The player choice just does not matter. Yeah. Nudging is more um maybe like incentivizing them incent or like making it more yeah. appealing for them to go this way. Well just I mean, really, it's and and I've heard I've heard people say this, uh, that they've had to tell their party, listen, guys, I don't have anything <laughs> to do here. Yeah. really like this is not where the story goes yeah there's nothing here can we just you know like and it, and it's not it's it's not really anyone's fault mm -hmm. um 
although there are some there are some players who just don't get it and they just kind of want to do whatever mm-hmm. but again back back to nudging um it's about curbing it's about curbing the players worst impulses Mm -hmm. like i remember we when we started the club at the school every time there was a new player who wanted to be a rogue they thought that oh i'm a rogue i just steal things and i can (laughs) do it because my my sleight of hand um skill is so high and my stealth skill is so high and i could just do these things and you know i they stole once, they stole twice, and then they stole from the wrong person who crushed their hand when they when they grabbed their hand. Mm-hmm. And so the player is walking around with a gimped hand and had to pay a fine, mm-hmm. you know, for doing that. And, and so it's like introducing consequences mm-hmm. is another way of nudging players away from those. Be, and and. And I've even told them after the fact, like, just because you're a ro- just because you're good at something doesn't mean you you <laughs> do, do it do all it. the time. Yeah. Like, if anything, as a ro- and oh, and on top of this, he was uh, a drow, which in my campaign, even though they are not they are not an evil race, mm-hmm. they have they are looked on as an mm. evil race. So I already told them as a drow. You will have problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to be a drow rogue. You are <laughs> stealing from people as a drow. Yeah, they who, already don't who like Who already you. don't like you. You know, so... Um, I feel like that's... that's <laughs> I wonder if that's a unique challenge to playing with kids or if they're equally as many uh, adults, adults do it do too. Oh, yeah, adults no. do it too because, because they can. Um... Un- until you tell them that they can't mm-hmm. and the way you do that is by introducing those consequences that's how you keep the party from being becoming murder hobos and just killing everyone <laughs> in their path what is a murder hobo murder hobos are is when the party decides to just kill to solve all their problems so they'll go into the town. The town guard says, no, you can't pass. Oh, we kill the town guard and go into town. No, yeah. that's awful. Oh, we're we're going to talk to the Those lord of the it's estate. That's not heroic. You're supposed to be I know. heroes. I know, but Blame. that's what they decide to do. But so but but I also but I also told him, you know, being the re- what makes an exceptional rogue as an adventurer is the fact that people don't really know that they're like they don't go out of their way to stand out. Mm-hmm. You think about like um, Han Solo mm-hmm. in Star Wars. You encounter him in the cantina, and he's like kind of in the back corner, like in a shadier part, mm-hmm. just keeping out of sight. Mm-hmm. Um, rogues, you you don't just go in a broad like you're not a pickpocket. You're yeah. a rogue. You know, you're not a common uh, a common criminal, and a rogue doesn't mean you're a criminal either. Yeah. It's it's just you have a certain skill set that differentiates you from like a paladin right. or something like that. So 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 we talked a lot about. I feel like all of these things are primarily what makes a good DM. Give me give me a handful of things that 
really make a bad DM. And I'm loath to say bad DM because mm-hmm. I'm sure that people have their different styles and, and for some people this might work. Like for some people, your players might not react negatively to certain things that I would think make a bad DM. But um, some not strong choices when yeah, you're DMing. Yeah, so choices that aren't conducive to everyone having fun. Yeah. So... Um, we t- Like we talked about... Uh, we already talked about like focusing too much on your fun and your campaign and your the work that you put into it and not focusing enough on the players. So we talked about that. Give me something else. Yeah. So uh, and to be clear, to be clear, it's okay if you have a session or people don't have fun hmm. because that's gonna show up. Like people, you might present them with a puzzle. And they're they're just frustrated, and and sometimes you just got to give them the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Like they like if the if the puzzle required five steps to solve, and they made it to the second step, boom, you solved the puzzle. Great job. <laughs> Let's move on. If you start seeing them like you know getting frustrated, but or, that's but that kind of proves the point is like you you you're still making sure that they have fun like even though they got fresh you're not yeah. gonna sit there for three more steps and watch them be frustrated you're gonna no, do something yeah about it. but but then it's like it's it becomes even more um pronounced in combat mm-hmm. when for some reason the party is just having bad luck rolling mm. or something or you know someone made uh someone made a dumb dumb maybe not a dumb decision they just weren't thinking they weren't thinking, you know, strategically and mm-hmm. stuff. And the group can't like metagame and say, oh, no, you you can do this, blah, blah, blah. And, and it leads to, you know, bad consequences for the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's hard to. It's that's hard to turn that feeling around without being patronizing and mm-hmm. the group just saying, Oh, the DM feels bad for us and just giving <laughs> us everything. Yeah. Um, so you will have sessions where maybe not the whole session, but maybe maybe there's a good like 20 minutes where the players are like frustrated mm-hmm. at something. Um and that's okay, but but ways that you can um, encourage that frustration or uh, or you know contribute to that frustration is if you um, take things personal. Mm-hmm. Like if if you are so attached to your campaign, like you you created this awesome um, NPC mm-hmm. or something. And they're meant to be like, you know, this adversary of the party, maybe not the big bad, but they're like this adversary, this rival. And you you had this whole thing planned out. Like, a, the, like a Draco Malfoy. He's not Voldemort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's there it's, being a thorn in your side. Yeah, he's being a thorn in your side the whole time. And mm-hmm. the players like kill him like in the first in in the first Book round one. of combat when <laughs> you intended for the combat to kind of go like they they trade a couple blows with each other and then uh he snatches something and just and escapes mm-hmm. and but instead like, they kill him uh, but instead they kill him and it's like and you and you just and you and you just say 
oh no, he got revived by, you know, this deity or whatever and runs away and you can't catch him no matter what you do mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, like that's something that if you were a player, you that would be really very frustrating yeah. because you're taking you're taking away player agency. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because then that whole combat was for nothing. Exactly. And and the players, you're punishing them for doing something that was clever or or they got a lucky role that you didn't plan for. And you can't you can't become too attached to you can't become too attached to any one thing. And here's and and here's the thing is that there will be there will be NPCs that all you had was a single sentence. Um, biggest, buffest gnome who arm wrestles people in a tavern. Mm-hmm. That's all I had. And that NPC became a whole session in and of <laughs> himself that players just c- remember to this day, like that NPC. What, who, they just wanted to arm wrestle him? Yeah, they wanted to arm wrestle him, but then also like... Um, he later uh he later came back um briefly it mm-hmm. was it was a it was a brief thing but people just it was just memorable mm-hmm. and you know y- you know i'm i'm here attaching myself to people who are like super important to the story or whatever and i completely forget this one or someone who's sort of important to the story but somehow resonates with the players much more mm-hmm. ends mm-hmm. up becoming to them more important and and someone they hold on to more so um a bad dm will not listen to the cues that players are giving them Mm -hmm. as to what they like about their campaign Mm -hmm. because um as as a dm at my session zero the first thing i or one of the first things i ask is you know what kind of game do you want to play? Mm-hmm. Do you want an epic fantasy? Do you want, um, you know, intrigue? Do you want uh, a mix of everything or whatever? Like, what do you want to play? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be heavier in a combat? Do you want to be heavier into role play? Because that gives me a sense of what everyone wants to do. Mm-hmm. And over the course of playing, we'll get an even greater sense as the party dynamics start to mm-hmm. cement themselves. A good DM will tune into these cues that their party is giving them. A bad DM will ignore them and try to steer the campaign how they want. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a way that you can reach the end result of the campaign that you're satisfied with while allowing the characters to drive themselves to that point. Um, it's it's just about continuing to give them the motivations in a way that they will be motivated mm-hmm. versus the way you think. Because the, that's the thing is you're writing a story without you creating the protagonist. Right. You know, the players are completely creating the hmm. protagonist. That's a good point. Yeah. Cool. That makes sense. <laughs> this is a very Greg heavy episode. I'm just like sitting here like nodding and listening. I don't have a lot to like oh. input. Um but no, a lot of that makes total sense. It remind it makes me think of like 
like a like a coach of a sports team or you know a director of a film like yeah. you have a vision you you can see the end goal or you can see the the end result and you give the players or actors the motivation the tools the resources you answer their questions and then you let them use their skill to yeah. achieve that end result. And like they may not do it exactly in the way that you intended, you know, like as a basketball coach can't literally tell you run this many feet and then dribble this many times. Like they'll give you a generalized play and then like go out and deal with the other stimuli that come in and, you know, yeah, whatever. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and yeah, I've had a bad damn experience and I've played with you. So I've seen both sides of the spectrum. Oh. Um, and yeah, so yeah, if, you, if you've if you had a bad DM experience before, if you've played with someone you didn't really like the way they DM, let us know. I we are, We're on Twitter, finally, Rollmates Pod. We have a Twitter account. Um, yeah, tweeted us your bad DM experiences. I want to see, I want to hear them and see them. Um, and if you're thinking of starting to be a DM, I'm sure there's like, tons of other probably better resources than us <laughs> to, <laughs> to like get some tips and tricks oh doesn't matt mercer have like yeah dungeon master tips he has he has dungeon master tips uh the dungeon dudes have a really good um that's a podcast they're they're on youtube mm. uh they have a good one on world building and mm. and that goes into like the planning and stuff yeah. like that um yeah, you you'll find there's a lot of good resources. The uh, Dungeon Master's Guide and Tasha's Cauldron to Everything have really good tips on how to uh, be a good DM. Yeah, but really, it's experience, and you're you know you're gonna have failures and you're gonna have successes, and what's important is learning from your failures. But what's great is learning from the failures of others. So you can so read about those failures online and, yeah. and look at the tips. Good advice. All right. We'll wrap things up there. Um, so thanks for hanging out with us for episode slash session four. Yeah. Next session, we will be able no, to play. I will no, DM for you. No, 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 no. I'm not playing next session. Next session, we're talking about a different topic. But... No, no, no. <laughs> maybe another time. Okay, maybe another time. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.